Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we are rejoined once again with Cameron Morganson. Hello, Cameron. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Casey. Um, we kind of decided to make this a little bit of a thing. We had a really good time talking last month. Um, I thought we had a great discussion, and for whatever reason, a few people listened. Like two. Yeah, tell your a mom few. thank you for <laughs> listening to our show. <laughs> Thanks for the download, Mom. <laughs> we really appreciate it. It boosted our, our listenership. I thought for sure that would be the last one we'd ever do, and listenership would be down forever from there. But like I said, a few people listened, so... Hey, they're different strokes for different folks, I guess. <laughs> People are bored. People are at home and they're bored and they've got nothing else to do. And Thank your mom you. is great. Thank you, COVID, for giving people enough time in their day to exactly. listen to us talk. No, it, yeah, it was it was a blast. I'm super excited to do this good. again. Yeah, I had a really good time. Um, I thought it would be fun to maybe like once a month just get together and have an idea of something to talk about and just have a conversation. Nothing scripted, no pretense just let's let's chat about something could be something that we value something we know something about or nothing about and hopefully we can bring something to the listener yeah actually i will say i prepared zero for this i can't emphasize enough how much i did not prepare to speak to you today so that's funny because not doing something is exactly what we're talking about today we are going to be talking a little bit about fasting Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um which is not eating essentially so tell me, I know that fasting is something that you've done in your life. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came across fasting and um, why you fast? Yes. So I started fasting about three and a half years ago, and it was because I was more transitioning from in the gym type, not necessarily work because I've, I've always done work in the gym. I'll always continue to work in the gym, but my focus was shifting towards more mountain bike racing. And I was having a really hard time dropping weight, like really hard time dropping weight, even being at the, what I would consider a very strict diet. I was still having a hard time dropping weight. Cause like, you've always been in good shape. You just have not done well. I mean, you've ran a marathon in the past, but, but you know, 10 years ago you were trying to bulk up and add muscle mass more so than do like endurance sport. Correct. Yeah. And it might be good to kind of give a background on like a quick overview of kind of my fitness journey, nutrition piece as well. Um, so for, for your listeners, I'm not a doctor. This is all anecdotal, but I am trained as a nutritionist. I worked as a nutritionist for years. Um, I've stayed up on it. it. It's a passion of mine for sure. I'm just not doing anything in the lab. Um, so I got into nutrition pretty young, like 14, 15. Um, it was one thing I could control and it was one thing that, essentially, like if we're getting deep on it, people couldn't reject me if I, if I could control that mm. piece of me. That was one thing someone could, people couldn't reject me for. You could reject me for being poor or whatever, but I could control how I looked. So I got into nutrition super young, um, like mostly on the supplemental side. Mm. Like I got a job at GNC when I was 16. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so that was kind of how it started. And then, then in the military, I, that kind of continued. Um, I got more into the like nutrition, coupling it with exercise and whatnot. And when I was in the military, I decided, all right, when I get out, I want to be a trainer. I want to be a nutritionist. At the time it was, I I want to be a trainer. Um, Nutritionist wasn't really a... It wasn't a thing. It really wasn't. um, I mean, it was a thing you'd find at hospitals or something, right? Like somebody that has to feed a, a, a patient that's there for like chronic illness or something. Yeah. And all the nutritionists that I did know were just meatheads, Mm. like just talking and 
not that's not a hit against them, but there was sure. there was no science. It was just, hey, this is what I've done, which is oddly enough a lot how we're going to discuss today yeah. <laughs> what I've done. So, um, yeah, got into more of like the bodybuilding piece after the army. When I was in the army, it was a lot of kind of what I'm doing now. I've actually reverted a lot of my training back to what I was doing when I was in the military. Um, lots of body weight stuff, lots of running, lots mm. of cardio, like 50, 50 cardio to strength training. And then when I got out of the military, when, when I met you, um, working a lifetime, that's when it got into the, all right, gonna build muscle. I just wanted to build muscle. I wasn't able to really put on weight during the military time just cause it wasn't conducive to my job. Sure. So that's what I put my focus to. And I got into the path of like the six to eight small meals a day. I think I even tried like 12 meals for a little bit. No way. Just to try it, dude. It was so stupid and it was so bad. I don't recommend <laughs> There's a that lot of things. I, so miserable. There's a lot of things I've done that I don't recommend. That's one of them. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, probably five, six years of just focusing on putting on lean body mass. And now that's, and I just want to, say like doing that is not easy. The body does not want to just build muscle for the hell of it. Is that correct? Yeah. It's very evolutionary. It's very unnecessary. It's inefficient. Yeah. Muscle takes a lot to sustain on your frame. Yep. Like you have, everyone has their, like their homeostasis, yep. um, which is, I, like, I think I've found that with me. Like, I think for me to like, I would have, if you would have told me that I had the eating habits that I have today and I have as much muscle on my frame as I do, which so for reference, I'm about 185 pounds, mm. six, 285 pounds, fairly normal yeah. physique. Um, but I would have thought like, Oh, if I'm not eating 20 hours a day, I'm going to just peel waste every, away. Yeah. I'm just going to waste it. Like, sure. No, I, I found a, a, a bottom, I think mm. as, unless I get like super crazy with it, which I have no intention of mm. doing. Um, so yeah, so got done with the gym or not done with the gym, but done with like the bodybuilding journey that yep. I was on and shifted towards more mountain biking and outdoor recreation and found racing through mountain biking. And I was like, I am too heavy to get myself up and down this mountain as fast as I want to be able to do it. So I tried dieting like a tr more traditional way, the way I would have dieted when I was, when I was bodybuilding or calories, or just weight cutting calories. Yeah. Cutting calories, but doing it sustained throughout the day. So small breakfast, small snacks, small lunch, small dinner, like more just blocks yeah. of eating. And yeah, I mean, I lost weight because I was making a conscious, a conscious shift to lose weight, but I plateaued really, really quick. Mm. Um, and I can't remember exactly the moment where I decided I was going to try fasting. I think I was listening to, I think it was Dr. Jason Fung. Mm -hmm. Have you ever listened to yeah, any of his? Of course. Episodes? I believe it was it was either him or uh, Rhonda Patrick. Hmm. I think was the first thing I heard about with, and they were talking about the growth hormone spike. Yep. And I'm like, it sounded a little because it, it, it went completely against everything that I'd ever believed up until that point. If I don't eat throughout the day, I'm going to go catabolic. My body's going to start just deteriorating away. I'm going to feel terrible. Like it just, it sounded like a terrible idea. Sure. So, so you did the same kind of metabolic testing that I did when you worked at the gym and we would measure how many calories somebody burns. And we, we all know, like we, we did that for a lot of years. We saw a lot of clients. We know what happens. If you eat more calories, you, you might gain a little bit of weight, but eventually your metabolism is going to increase a little bit to to meet that, right? Like you're going to start using more calories because you're eating more and the body deals with it. Again, you might gain a little bit of weight, but not a lot. Same thing. If you 
if you, you know, do a diet, you can lose a little bit of weight by cutting calories, but eventually your metabolism is going to drop. And so when somebody says, okay, now you're not going to eat for a, a portion of the day, your first instinct is like, uh, how this is going to crush my metabolism. Yeah. It's just going to sink it. And I mean, the science, and that's the, that's the problem with, with fasting in general is there's not been enough long-term studies to really know, at least that I found and and you may be bringing something here to, to um, debunk that a little bit, but yeah, the, the metabolism tanking thing over the three years that I've been doing it, I can say with extreme confidence that I, I don't believe that to be the case mm. at all. Interesting. Yeah. What, what things make you know that you're not tanking your metabolism? Um, one, my weight loss is fairly sustained, so I wouldn't be continuing to lose weight and increase performance if my metabolism was, was tanking. And also when I go on vacations, um, I still fast just kind of out of habit and I like the way it feels, but like if I want to eat breakfast, if I want to wake up and go to a breakfast buffet, yeah, I'm going to do it. Like it, it but when I do those things, like I don't see a huge, I don't see a huge recoil of weight gain. Mm. Like if I go a week with like just terrible eating, even if I'm increasing my, my calories dramatically in a feeding window for a certain period of time. So like, even if I'm, if I'm on vacation and I'm like, oh, I'm still fasting, but I still consume 5,000 calories in my eating window, which has happened, happens often. And, but I don't see the, the bounce back in my weight. Mm. Your weight stays more stable. It's much, it, it, it definitely stays stable. Even if it's a, and you probably know this with, with like your keto clients and whatnot, um, they'll have a, if they have a cheat meal or if they consume a lot of calorie or a lot of carbohydrates, they'll gain weight back. And it's usually just in the form of water mm-hmm. being shoved into the muscle through glycogen baths. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fasting was. It was a, a method that I wanted to try the, what had, or I guess I, I didn't answer the question about like, what, what did they say? They, the growth hormone spikes and the evolutionary piece of it. Once the evolutionary piece of it was explained to me, I'm like, okay, this makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. I felt comfortable trying it for, I'm like, I'll try it for a week. Sure. And I tried it for a week. I think I started with just skipping breakfast. Okay. And, um, what I, what I did then, what I would do differently now was I actually, didn't replace the calories later in the day. Mm. I just cut out breakfast and what I would, and I, I do want to talk about some of the protocols that I suggest some people try. I've, yeah, I've, awesome. tried, I've tried them all by increasing I, I, what I should have done for experimental purposes was keep my calories the same, but shove them into a, a feeding window to see how my body reacted. I didn't do that. What I did was I just cut those calories out and yeah, I lost and I, I didn't do anything else to my diet. Like I didn't try going keto. I didn't try going paleo. Um, I was actually already eating pretty well. Um, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to cut out breakfast and see how I feel. My calorie or my uh, coffee consumption <laughs> went up, went up great, went mm. up really bad. Um, but yeah, cut out the breakfast and I immediately noticed how much, not necessarily energy, but like it wasn't like an energy feel like that you get from like caffeine or whatnot. It was a very much alive feeling mm. like just more, I was light on my feet. Like I wanted to move around more. I felt weirdly extroverted. Mm. Like, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it, but I remember that first week, that was the one thing I took away. I wrote down in, I, cause I tried to journal the whole thing, like how I was feeling. And that was one of the things was I just felt more perky. Mm. Interesting. So that's super counterintuitive. 
that's super counterintuitive. You would think that without food for a certain amount of time, your energy would not go up. It would go down. You would be more foggy. You'd have less clarity. You'd have less energy. That is that, that the way we're taught, that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And if you were act, because everyone goes to starving, like that's the difference. Like fasting is not starving. Now, if I had already been five, 6% body fat and cut out calorie and went too low to where I didn't have enough reserves on my body to sustain energy. And I started breaking down vital organ tissue and, and muscle. Yeah. Then that's probably where you would feel the energy start to decrease. Your body would naturally want to slow down to preserve life. Sorry, folks. Most, like, uh, most of you listening to this, myself included, are not that lean. <laughs> we have plenty of stores on our bodies to sustain us for a few hours of hunger. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's break that down a little bit. I think that's super important. On the tests that you and I would conduct on people, we would measure their metabolism, like we said. Mm -hmm. And there was a page on that report that showed the two types of energy you have on the body. Um, later this week, we're going to host uh, Dr. Ted Naiman, who wrote the PE diet, and it talks about uh, protein and minerals mm -hmm. and energy. So protein is one thing. Energy comes in the form of fat or carbohydrates. Yep. So this page on this report would show a graph and it would show this is how many calories of carbohydrates you have available in the body. And it would say for males about 2000, give or take, mm -hmm. and females about 1500, give or take. That's based on muscle mass as one of the places, one of the only places you can store carbohydrates. For sure. The next number would be fat. And this is the number of calories that you have available on your body that comes in the form of stored body fat. And it's like you said, unless you are very lean, that number is tens or hundreds of thousands of calories. And that's all available energy, correct? Absolutely. So if somebody has 100,000 calories of energy on the body as stored fat that they don't even like, they want it gone anyway, why, why can you not just use that as fuel? Why do people have such a tough time losing weight? When it's there, it's, you can just burn it off. That is a big onion to peel back. Um, <laughs> why people don't lose weight. Um, they're consuming more than they're burning. At the end of the day, I, I, I very much subscribe to the law of thermodynamics. I think that no matter what diet you're doing, if you consume more than you burn, you're going to, you're going to gain weight. Sure. Ver in, inversely. And there, if you burn more calories than you consume, you'll lose weight. Now, this is where fasting, I think, is the most powerful tool of that. Uh, and this is why it works for me. This is why I've done it for three years. It's why I'll probably do it forever. Until, until there's some research that tells me it's bad for me or it just doesn't work. Like I'm not married to this idea, but it's worked for three years and, mm. and I like it. So until something tells me that it's bad for me or I should try something else and I'll probably try other things, I think I'll always come back to to a, a lifestyle of, of intermittent fasting, time-restricted feeding, however you want to label it, right? Mm. Fasting is, is proven to increase um, protein synthesis and your body's ability to convert fat into fuel because you kind of naturally go into a state of ketosis. It's really hard to know exactly how many calories you're consuming in a given day. Like I'm, I'm a chronic tracker. I, I track calories more than I don't. Mm. And and I, there's just, and anyone who does, there's just no way to measure everything exactly. There's no way to like, I have these, when I want, when I want tacos, I use these like, um, high fibrous 
um, tortillas. Hmm. And they're complete crap because they say they're like 70 calories a piece. And for most people, they look at it. But when I break down, I'm like, all right, you're not accounting for any of the fiber. Yep. And fiber still has, it still has carbohydrates in it. Like it's not a freebie the way people think it is. Um, insoluble versus soluble is a little bit different. Some has a little bit more than others. And But most companies, the FDA doesn't require them to track it as as a calorie. So they'll they'll look at this 70 calories per tortilla, and it's probably closer to like 110, mm. which is not a big deal at the end of the day. But my point is they're not accounting for that. Sure. So not tracking food well enough. And that gets really hard to do when you're eating consistently throughout the day. Like when you eat breakfast and, and for me, um, especially after fasting, and I'm sure most people who don't fast are kind of numb to this feeling, but once I eat, I'm, I'm much more sensitive to like hunger. I'm much more, I can tell that I'm getting much hungrier, much quicker. So if I eat breakfast, if I go to brunch with friends or whatnot, I'm super hungry the rest of the day. Like it's, especially when I'm breaking my fast that way, it's usually with pancakes or some kind of brunch type food. And that seems to set the wheel in motion in a very negative way. You're just hungry. I'm hungry. I crave stuff that I know I don't typically crave or like or want. Um, that's super weird. And it's, and this is now we're kind of getting into like the mental, like, are you in a mental place to, to fast? Like people ask me all the time. So what's the difference between fasting and, and, an eating disorder. Sure. And um, I, I don't have like a great answer for that. Um, my, I guess my answer would be your state of mind. Like, why are you doing it? Mm. It would be, are you um, like an eating disorder? You're, you're consciously doing something superficially. You're doing it for a superficial reason. And that can lead to negative impacts on your health. Mm. If you're fasting, you're doing it for, a, you're, you're trying to improve health, like there should be a lot more to why you're fasting than just, I want to lose weight. Mm. If that's your only, if that's your only thing, yeah, you could easily slip into a potential eating disorder. Interesting. Yeah. I, I hear that concern a lot and it is hard to answer, but I, I definitely see a difference between somebody who's really very hungry all the time and they're consciously eating, you know, carrots or celery or something all day and snacking on that. And like you said, deliberately kind of starving themselves versus the thing I notice the most when people start fasting is they're just not hungry. They're not like forcefully restricting themselves. They just don't feel like eating nearly mm -hmm. as much. Is that something you notice as well? 100%. Yeah. And that goes it, it, listening to your body and this can one to listen to your body. You need to know what to listen for. Like people who are just starting out, I might even say, don't listen to your body. Cause right now your body is telling you like sleep is a good example. If you go to sleep at 10 p.m. every single day, right around 9.30, you're going to start to get the yawns. Your body's going to start to release melatonin saying, all right, we're used to going, we know we're used to going to sleep at 10, so we need to start releasing these sleep hormones right around 9.30. Like that is some, that is a pattern that you've gotten your body into. Mm. It's the same thing with hunger. Uh, GABA, I believe. But um, so you're, if you eat breakfast every day, you wake up, you're hungry because your body knows it's about to get fueled. So it starts your metabolic engine around that time. If you ignore it, it goes away. Same thing with sleep. Like if you typically go to sleep at 10, but you kind of push past it, you get your second win and you're like, all right, now I can go for a little bit longer. Sometimes you can even have a hard time going to sleep at all that night. Mm. Um, so it's the same thing with food. If you, so if you're first starting out and you're like, well, I'm really hungry at breakfast. Yeah. That's because you've been eating during that time. 
drink some water. I like, I like bubbles, like a little bit of bubbly water. Topo Chico. No, is that where it's do you, so good? That's mine. No, all right. That's I'll, my favorite. All right. I'll have to, I'll have to get that from you after this. Either, either that or San Pellegrino, but I like Topo Chico. I better. like San Pellegrino. I Topo like, Chico is funner to say. Topo Chico. Topo Chico. <laughs> that is fun to say. Is it, it fun is. to drink? It is great. It's great. Very tasty. <laughs> I picture you drinking it with like a Hawaiian shirt. I, yeah, I don't own one, but I'll, I'll do that. Go get a Hawaiian shirt. Hey, Siri, order Casey a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> drink some Topo Chico. Drink some Topo Chico. So yeah, drink, drink some water, push past it, see how you feel. Like a lot, a lot of people I talk to, um, mostly that that come to me asking me about fasting advice or how to get started. That's the first thing they'll do. They'll I'll, I'll talk to them about it. They'll try it. And then a week later, like, Oh, I stopped doing it. I was just too hungry. You do have to get past that. Oh, I'm too hungry phase to allow your body to kind of reset. It's, it's hormonal process or, right. or whatever. But if you do that, you'll, you'll feel the, uh, the energy increase. You'll, you'll feel that kind of go away. And even now I still get hungry right around nine or 10. I still get a little bit of a belly rumble. I just embrace, I, I actually embrace that. I like feeling a little bit hungry because that means there's an actual change happening in my body. Awesome. Okay. I really want to hammer this point home. I think that's super important. If I, if I eat less calories, then my metabolic rate will go down and I will burn less calories naturally. Mm-hmm. If I don't eat, that's different than eating less. Not eating is not the same as eating less calories and eating them all the time. If I don't eat, what happens is the body becomes more and more used to not getting food all the time. And it starts to have better and better access to stored fat as a fuel source. So you've already mentioned Jason Fung. He has a great example of having a fridge in your kitchen that you fill up every Mm -hmm. single day. You go shopping, you fill it up and you eat out of it. You also have a freezer that's down in the basement behind a bunch of boxes and there's like half a cow in that freezer and it's not as easy to get to, but when you're there, there's like food for six months, let's just say. Yeah. But if you're so used to using your fridge, that's in your kitchen, you'll just kind of put food in, take food out, put food in, take food out. If you stop putting food in that fridge for a second, you're going to go, Holy smokes. Like where is my food? I, I need to eat. And then you remember like, Oh Yeah. I've got a cooler. It's downstairs, kind of a pain in the ass to get to, but you walk down there and all of a sudden there's hundreds of thousands of calories of energy and you can just say, great, I'll just do this. And in that way, that is fundamentally different than eating less because the body has found all of those hundreds of thousands of calories that we talked about earlier in the form of stored fat. And that is why your metabolic rate does not decline. It is why you're describing feeling a lot of energy, mental clarity, sharpness, you get hungry, but it's just a rumble in your stomach. You don't get hangry. You don't need to snack. You don't get moody. You're not pissed off. Like those are vastly different results, correct? Absolutely. And I can tell when I'm like, quote unquote, starving, like when I'm at, like when my body's like actually like, and, and not necessarily anymore, I've, it's kind of balanced out, but I did get to a point um, where I was too lean to be fasting as aggressively as I was. I did find a a, a point and not necessarily fasting as much as I was. I won't put on the fasting, but I wasn't getting enough recovery, Mm. um, from workouts. And this is where fat there's fasting means different things for people who are trying to, to lose weight versus athletes. Um, and like bodybuilders, 
there, there's a lot of different ways you can tweak fasting to, to match goals. But I think everyone benefits from what happens when your body is forced to become more efficient using alternative forms of fuel aside from the carbohydrates you're shoving mm. in your face. Interesting. I, I totally agree. Another thing that you mentioned, I think is really important to deep dive into is hunger. You mentioned that some people quit fasting because they feel very, very hungry. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned that when you go out to breakfast or brunch with your, with your friends or whatever on the weekends, you feel more hungry that day and you end up eating more and craving different things than you normally do. Correct. With like, it's there, it's almost undeniable for me at this point. I I know it's going to happen and I kind of have to prepare myself a little bit for it. And like, it's not like a super intense kind of thing, but I can't operate the same way that I would operate had I been fasting. Like Mm. if I was going to work out that day, like I cannot to this day, like I cannot work out with it's minimum three hours worth of food in my stomach. So if I've, if I've eaten it, I need to wait about three hours before I can, before I can train. So, so you do better without food in your system versus when you do, I feel better. You feel better. So breaking down performance versus, versus feeling depends on for me. If I know that I'm going to be doing like a heavy leg day, like a heavy leg training day, which I was typically say for my off season, I'm going to eat something that morning or not that morning. Um, with my workouts that morning, I'm going to make sure that I have a little bit more to eat that evening, mm. uh, the evening prior. Yep. So when I wake up, I'm still technically fasted, but I'm probably still pretty fed gotcha. at that point. And all that that's for performance. That's maybe once every three weeks that mm. I do that on purpose. I do it on accident all the time. Gotcha. Eating too much in the evening <laughs> <laughs> all the time, but I'll consciously eat a little bit more that evening to help me get through a, a workout that day. And when I say help, meaning I want to maximize the amount of weight I'm able to push for an hour. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing five reps that with five minutes of rest, usually I'll spin on a bike in between. So I'll do my, I'll do my heavy squats or my heavy deadlifts and then I'll spin on the bike for five minutes mm. and I'll do that for an hour. It's, it turns out to be a lot of volume, but spread out over time and I have found that that I, I sustain higher levels of strength longer when I've had more food the night prior. Hmm. That I, again, that sounds pretty reasonable, but it's also counterintuitive because you would think that without, you know, carbohydrate fuel or, you know, a sports drink or a supplement or something before that workout breakfast, before that workout, you're going to have no energy, but that's not how this system works. No, it's not. And people, when, when you feel that way, like, so if you're, when you're working out or even on like on the bike doing an endurance event, um, if you drink, like you're, you're pounding your, your, your drinks or your, your gels or whatnot, it takes, it still takes a lot of that quite a bit of time to get into your system. What it's more doing is it's shutting down your, your body's response to feeling hungry and you just feel like you have more energy to burn at that moment. Yeah. It's, it's not instantaneous like that. It's not a, it's not intravenous carbohydrates. Right. It's the same thing with working out. Like I get hungry all the time when I train all the time, often, probably more often than not. Mm but it doesn't hinder my performance. Hmm. It's just, I, I feel hungry. I yeah. know, and I know it's okay to feel hungry. Most people just don't know it's okay yeah. to feel hungry. Yeah. They associate hunger with bad. Yep. It's not true. It's it's like cold. It's just, it's just 
cold. Yeah, it's like if I, when I if I took an ice bath without knowing why I was taking an ice bath, wouldn't do it. Like this is miserable. Yep. This is absolutely fucking miserable. Yep. But oh, I'm doing this. Uh, the the pain is actually helping decrease inflammation. Yep. Um, <laughs> boosting metabolism. All, yep. all all kinds of cool just reactions that the body has to um, extreme temperature. Mm. Knowing that you're okay sitting through it, versus oh, I'm hungry in the gym. I need to go drink a bunch of Cytomax to yeah, right to get through this workout. Oh, I remember not, those days. Miserable. Dude, I used to, I used to drink Cytomax and VP2 before I trained, like 30 minutes before I trained, probably 450 calories, straight up like maltodextrin. Yep, just I'd shake it up in my shaker. I'd drink it. And I would do this even when I was dieting. Oh, why weren't you losing weight? <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then I would drink some during my workout, half of what I would. So I do two scoops of each in a shake before my workout, one scoop of each during my workout, and then two scoops of each post-workout. My, like my stomach hurts just hearing that. Dude, it, I mean, did I, have, I had great pumps. Like I could like lift weights for an hour and a half. There's no way. One, there's no way I needed that to sustain those workouts. But two, there's also no way I was in a caloric deficit. Mm. And we can get into the, we can talk about building muscle in a caloric deficit. There's a lot of controversy around that. I want, after doing this for three years, I can 100% say that I believe I, me, myself, and I could build muscle in a caloric deficit. I agree. agree. Okay. I want to go back to something we mentioned earlier, uh, which was evolution. So, Humans are, you know, not, not particularly special in any real way besides the fact that we can communicate, we have opposable thumbs, um, and we do have relatively big brains. And we had to make some trades to have bigger brains. And, and to be able to do that, we have, you know, smaller hips. The, the gestation period for a mother is much less for a human than it is for other animals. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a horse is up and walking around the very first day and a human baby is not. So... We look at what kind of fueled those changes and what happens in our evolution. And the concept that I, I really love the most is from a dude named uh, Chris Kruger, who has a concept called beasting, feasting, and fasting. Mm -hmm. And basically, his idea behind this is that when you get hungry, it doesn't mean you should go eat. It means you should go hunt. And that's his first stage is beasting. Go do something. When you get hungry, go do something. Lift weights, ride a bike. Walk to the mailbox if that's all you can do. Just do something to use some of the rest of your energy because the evolutionary mechanism is, okay, you're hungry, so now go find some food. Mm -hmm. If you look at what food is available, we're in Salt Lake City in January. There's not like spontaneous banana trees growing everywhere. We would probably have to go hunt. And when we feel hungry, that is the reason why in the right state, you also feel really sharp. You're, you have good energy. It's, it's counterintuitive, like we said before, but your mental clarity is higher. You are more sharp. You are more driven. Then comes the feasting. And once you find your food, have as much of that as you, as you can possibly have. Eat a lot. Don't restrict your calories, like you said earlier. Just make sure you're eating a lot. Get a lot of protein. Get a lot of fat. And then you go back on the fast, which means, okay, I'm, I'm full. I'm really satiated. I ate as much as I wanted. Now I can go do other stuff. And that seems to match evolutionarily so much better than trying to have up to 12 meals. You were doing up to 12 meals a day. Like I tried it for, I think I tried it for two weeks. Oh, man. I, you essentially just don't stop eating. Like it just doesn't, 
like I was carrying Tupperware everywhere, but you get like this one and just <laughs> to put into context, I did it just to try it. And cause I had read, I had read an article that some like fitness, they didn't have influencers at the time, but like he would have been considered a fitness influencer, like regular on like cover of men's health and all stuff. And it's like how I stay lean 12 meals a day. No, I'm, I'm calling bullshit. I'll bet you that dude. Was, I'll bet you that dude was fasting his ass off to stay six percent year round. Um, but you look yeah. at animals who eat twelve meals a day, or they're just eating or grazing all day. They're eating plants and they're fermenting the plants in their stomachs, which are generally like rumens. Yeah. And they're they're making short chain fatty acids out of the carbohydrates and then running off of the fat. But they have to eat obligatorily that many times a day. They have to graze that many hours a day. Our primate ancestors, same. They, they never evolved the same way we did. They have to eat all day. And we have this other option where we can eat a bunch, not eat for a very long time and feel great. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Our, th- these meat sacks we rock around in with these <laughs> monkey brains. So cool. So cool. So we, we've been talking a little bit about hunger and this is the reason why I generally will not recommend somebody start with fasting. I think fasting is the gold standard for health. And I want to talk a little bit about that too. Um, I think it's a gold standard for weight loss. I think it's the thing that makes your diet be a lot more flexible. You can eat a lot of um, variety yeah, of things. You, that, that's a, that was a big point I wanted to, to discuss as well is the fle- people think it's very restrictive. I've never had a more flexible diet. Agreed. Agreed. Never, never had a more flexible. So diet. you and I talked after our last conversation, we thought of this great analogy. I thought I, I'm going to take credit. I thought of this great analogy that I didn't say. I only thought of it when I was driving away. I was like, damn, I should have used that. And we were talking about our friend, Joe, who's a great cyclist, a great mountain biker. And you and I are standing on Ahab over this crazy technical trail trying to decide what line we're going to take and joe's just like i'm just gonna send it and just skip it all by flying over the entire thing like yeah you dumbasses right through that i'm just gonna jump over it we're trying to like pick our way through this line i think fasting is the same way like if we're trying to get nitpicky about who's carnivore who's vegan what's the best thing to eat how many grams of this i need to track that blah 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 what why not be joe and just be like i'm just Going to not even worry about any of it and jump over all of it. That seems like such an easy thing that allows you to be really flexible with your diet. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, And great analogy. Bravo. Thank you. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it's. So when you, you, you said you don't think people should start out fast. So So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the point is like, if somebody's coming straight from the standard American diet, sad diet is what we call it. They have been eating a lot of carbohydrates, probably with also a lot of fat together in mm-hmm. meals, which is the worst combination. And basically, it, since they've been eating so many high-carbohydrate foods, their blood sugar goes up and down and up and down and up and down all the time. And so that's why they feel very hungry. They might even eat healthy, quote-unquote, healthy foods. Like, think about eating, you know, a healthy chicken salad on kale or something. Mm-hmm. And you know, you get full certainly because you might be eating a lot of fiber and that fills up your stomach. But two or three hours later, you are famished. You are so hungry. That's, that's where most people are starting from. And so to be able to fast in that state, it's, it's going to be one extremely difficult because they're going to be very, very, very hungry. And, and the other thing that I notice is since the body 
is running on carbohydrates, but then isn't getting any more carbohydrates or getting significantly, significantly less, the backup system for the body to make carbohydrates for its needs is called gluconeogenesis, which is the breakdown of protein, yeah, into, protein glucose. into glucose. Yeah. But, but it's very inefficient. Very it is. Inefficient. It is. In, but in a certain state, if you are in a carbohydrate-fed state all the time, your body needs carbohydrates and it needs a lot of it, so it needs to break down a lot of protein... And that means that person's probably going to lose muscle mass, not, not for the sake of finding sources of protein in other areas, but just by the fact that that person needs so many calories of glucose to fuel them. But once the body burns fat and uses ketones, most of the tissues in the body can adapt to that, you know, save red blood cells, part of the brain, the kidneys that mm -hmm. will always need a little bit of glucose, but that need of glucose reduces by so much that now the person doesn't need to break down nearly as much protein. And those people end up saving their muscle mass. So, and so I agree, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you a little bit. Um, is the person's goal to retain every ounce of lean body mass? I, good question. Um, I think for most people, most people just want to lose fat. That's most people would like to lose fat. And in that state of wanting to lose fat, they may lose a little bit of lean tissue. But I have to say anecdotally from everything that I've seen, the people I've taken through this process, I, and, and track tightly using body fat monitors, mm -hmm. like the Embody 570 is something we use, you know, used all the time. We could validate that we would help people lose weight that was nearly, nearly, nearly like 99% fat loss, not lean mass, not water weight, not anything else but fat. But the mm -hmm. catch was, like I said, if somebody is feeling very hungry because they're on a standard American diet, I wouldn't recommend fasting to start until they get more fat adapted. So the first step for me to, 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 to have the right to access fasting as a tool is I want that person to be a, a really good fat burner. I want the person to eat more fat, eat more mm -hmm. protein, start to reduce the carbohydrates, and then see how that person feels. Because if they're naturally now not so hungry because they're really satiated, mm -hmm. opposite of the chicken salad that's, you know, the protein and the fiber fills up your stomach, but you get really hungry. If you have steak and eggs and eat them until you can't move, you can't lift a fork up, that person's full. Now they're fasting naturally on their own. They're just not hungry. No, absolutely. I, I, I love that approach. I love that approach. Um, and this is where you're very much more probably in the weeds working with other people doing this and knowing what works and doesn't. I've never actually taken a client step-by-step -step through a fasting protocol. It's, it's always very much in passing close friends, family, and things like cool. that. Um, what I've, what I, what I would say on the, the, the other side of that coin is fasting is the quickest way to become fat adaptive. Yeah, that's true. So, and again, this goes back to the, the individual person. If they were sitting from like, like I'm an athlete, I want to just change the way I'm, the way I feel that they're doing it for whatever reason. But the one caveat is I don't want to spare a single ounce of my lean muscle tissue. I say, okay, then start just like going into fasting right away is probably not going to work. Sure. But even with that person, I'd say, all right, well, try pushing. Like, so if you normally eat breakfast at seven, just go until you don't want to do it anymore. Like, so then that, this is how I kind of worked into it. I'm like, cause I didn't know how I was going to feel. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to push my breakfast out. And I got to like 11 o'clock and I was like, all right, I can feel that it was more, I was more uncomfortable than I wanted to be. Gotcha. So I ate. 
Then the next day I, I went to 11 again, like for, for a few days, but after a week I had pushed it to like three or four, like three or four in the afternoon. Like I just kind of went a little bit and I don't know how this works from a data perspective, but that's what worked for me. And I don't, I guess I was willing to lose a little bit of mu- I was definitely willing to lose muscle tissue to get lighter and more efficient on my bike. Mm. Now, I hadn't really found keto at this point. I didn't really know much about keto. I've always been on a low, like I, I think most people, especially us Northern Europeans, <laughs> we do better. <laughs> we do better on low carbohydrates. Agree. Um, so yeah, I guess it's just a, if you're, if you're someone who wants to try keto, that is the easiest way. That is probably the most comfortable way to edge into fasting. Yeah. If you don't want to do keto, but you want to see benefits from fasting, then you probably just need to work into it a little bit slower I see, and just maybe push it out a little bit. So I, I, again, I'm trying to bring this full circle for people. Cause I know people who just won't do keto. Yeah. They, they just, they don't want to do Nor keto. Nor do they have to. Yeah. And that's, I think fasting has, is a vehicle for a lot of different things with a lot of different lifestyles. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not keto. I'm primarily low carbohydrate in my day-to-day life, but I go hard in the paint. Often, <laughs> often tonight I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch the Steelers and the Browns. Nice. <laughs> I'm gonna, go I'm, ham. I'm gonna go hard. Hey, I think I've got like a Papa Murphy's pizza nice. in my near future. Nice. Something like that. But um, but yeah, I mean, I digress. So I agree. I, th- I think your approach to to getting into fasting is probably a more comfortable one, and the one I'd recommend for someone who really wants to become fat adaptive, wants to take advantage of fat, uh, fat, adapta- uh, fat adaptation. If you want to just try fasting to see how you like it, we need to, without changing too much of your diet, yeah. kind of skip. If you want to skip the rocks, you want to jump, you want to be Joe and jump, jump yeah, the yeah, rocks, yeah, yeah, yeah. get over all the minutia of like, I don't know what to eat. I don't know how much to eat. Just, just do it. Just eat a little bit. Mm. Just skip it for a little bit until it's uncomfortable and then eat. And see and see if you can go a little bit further the next day. Mm. Just keep pushing it out and slowly become a little bit more adaptive. What analogy I'll use is like a, a kind of like a cold pool or something. And there's the shallow end, and you can kind of wade your way in a little bit. And there's also the diving board. And either way, you can get into the pool and be fine. One way is going to be a shock to the system. It's going to be really like, whoa, this that's very cold. But you'll get used to it a little faster versus somebody who comes in from the shallow end. Either way, they're going to get wet. It's just how comfortable or uncomfortable are they going to be? And so I guess my point is that, yeah, you can you can fast off of the standard American diet. It will be more miserable. You'll probably get adapted a little bit faster. Mm. I love your approach of making it really easy and approachable. It's not something that's really like rigid or formal. It's just when you feel hungry, you should eat and see if you can, you know, kick that can down the road a little bit further. I also think it's really interesting that you started with breakfast. Why do you start by eliminating breakfast and not a different meal? Yeah. So this, and this goes, this is personal preference for a lot of people that I lack the discipline to fast in the evenings. It, 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 it's not conducive for my lifestyle. Like I want to enjoy meals with friends and family. Like that's when I socialize. I love to socialize over food. So getting rid of dinner, outside of like an isolate, like if I had a very specific goal that I was trying to achieve and it said, and the protocol called for not eating dinner, I'm trying to think of a, a venture that would require that maybe like an event, 
Hmm. that was later in the day or in a different part of the world. And I needed to like fight jet lag or something like that for sure. But for an ongoing lifestyle, nah, I just it, it just isn't for me. Mm. I've, tr- I've tried. It's just not for me. It's too hard. Yeah. I, and I think that fits our rhythms. We've talked a little bit about, you know, when melatonin kicks in and, you know, that's your get good sleep hormone. I, I think of it as like most people really aren't that hungry in the morning anyway. The sun's coming up. It's time to be alive and alert and, you know, be up and looking for predators, looking for food, going to work, what, you know, the things we need to do. And I just don't think many people are very hungry. Then we get to this phase later in the day where the sun is setting our day's done. We got our food or now in rest and digest mode, our parasympathetic mm-hmm. nervous systems fired up great time to eat. Then your body is ready for it then. And so I think starting with breakfast, I think that's such great advice just to not eat the first thing when you get up. Yeah, it's like the whole, and so I was coming at it from my personal, how I feel, but the way, the reason why I feel that way is exactly how you just explained when, if I, if you wake up and eat, eating for me is a unwind, Mm -hmm. I'm going to unwind. I don't want to unwind. I just woke up and I can, I, before I started fasting and had the perspective of fasted versus not fasted, it's really hard to tell the difference. Like you just eat and maybe you think, all right, I just ate. So now I have energy because you think you're supposed to have energy because you just ate. There's, I believe the placebo effect is very, very real. Mm. I also believe the honeymoon effect with trying new diets is very, very real. Yeah. Um, and the placebo effect, like it's legit. Like I'm not saying, oh, it's not working because it's placebo effect. I'm saying it's working, but it might be because of the placebo effect. Mm. Um, but when I would wake up fast, energy level sustained. Now when I eat, it's like, Oh, I feel how I do after yep. dinner and it's 9am. Yep. That's not good. Sluggish, hungry cravings. Like you mentioned. Yeah. And then I have to eat lunch. Hmm. Like it's very, it's, it's almost like I need to, one of the, like if I know I'm going to do brunch and I want to feel good, like, and I'm not doing this, like I am not putting things inside of my day to accommodate fasting. Like that's, it, it's not that meticulous for me. But I know how I like to feel. I know how I like to operate. And for me to do that, I've got to put some things in place in my life. So from Sundays, I like to hike. Like later today, I'm going to go for a hike with my dogs. If I ate breakfast, or so let's say I didn't, I, that's a typical Sunday for me. Let's say I didn't, I didn't plan to go hiking with the dogs. And my plan was to sit on the couch and watch football. If I went and ate breakfast, I couldn't do that. Like, nope, I, now I need to go for a hike to kind of hit the reset because I know that if I eat breakfast and then sit on the couch and watch football, I'm just going to eat, eat and eat, eat and eat and eat and eat. Mm -hmm. And it gets, it gets out of control. It can get out of control. And this is not because, and this is a lot on me as well. And my, like my own personal issues with food, I guess we all, we all have them. Mm -hmm. Um, I am, like I said, I go hard in the paint. (laughs) I'm a human's Pringle can. Like once I pop, I can't stop, which is also why fasting works very, very well for me Mm. because I can have as much discipline throughout the day as I need to have. Like if I'm fasted, I can pass cookies. I can pass all the things I love. It's like, no, because I'm fasted. It's not even hard to say no. It's not hard. It's not hard at all. Mm. It's actually super easy. Like, nah, I don't need it. And people like, like, oh, like people in the office, when we were in the office, I would all the time, like, Cam, you never enjoy anything. I'm like, Come hang out with me at home. <laughs> come, come, like, let's go to dinner. I, 
I go hard, but I can go hard. I yes. like going hard and I can because of my fasting protocol. And you know, the you're making that decision consciously, meaning yeah. if it's a Sunday and I go to brunch, I know that I'm going to feel a certain way. I'm going to be more hungry. My brain fog is probably going to be a little bit worse. My sleep might suck that night, but you know, that's is what it is. I accepting that and it's worth it for brunch sometimes on Sunday but not always on a Tuesday or so it's Thursday not, when I'm working. I will say it's not worth the brunch. It is worth the social interaction. Sure. It, for me, it's like, I would honestly, I prefer to, and some, most of the time I'll just go and drink coffee, especially because most of the places where we go for brunch and whatnot have great coffee. Sure. So I'll just have a few cups of coffee, but if they have something good on the menu, yeah, I'll eat it. But I wouldn't have done that if it weren't for the social the social aspect of yep. it for me, I'm willing to sacrifice the feeling normal, like doing normal things and having normal interactions for a, some of, for some of the negative side effects. So, so it's such a good point. It's so important. What would you trade like to lose that life force energy to feel awesome, to feel sharp, to be on the hunt and to feel that energy and that aliveness? What, what's worth What's worth that? Sometimes on the weekend, it's worth it to have a social interaction. But what bowl of cereal is worth sacrificing that on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, like a day that you want to be sharp and kick ass? Uh, Fruit Loops with marshmallows in it. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> it's, so I, I'm, I'm, I love breakfast cereal. Dude, it's, it's one of my big, if I get a box, I'm mentally prepared that the entire box is going to go <laughs> like that. Is, I've mentally prepared that I buy the box. It's going to go. Wow. So in, and in my big Costco bowls, it's usually only two bowls. <laughs> we had, uh, we had Ben Bickman on, um, Dr. Ben Bickman from, um, BYU, the only person from BYU we would ever have on this show. <laughs> and he's just, no, you should have Zach. I'd, I'd have Zach Wilson. I have on. Zach Wilson. on. would be cool to talk to. He's got a good story right yeah, now. Yeah. I super uh, stoked. Yeah. On. I, I know people who know his parents. Maybe we'll have him on. Yeah. I mean, congratulations. You did it in a season. No one cares about. It's <laughs> still pretty good. <laughs> Kid, kids a stud. Uh, so Ben Bickman um, did this great video. He was using a continuous glucose monitor, which is super cool. It's just this little thing that, that you too, yeah. attach. You have, Oh, yeah. nice. That's awesome. So grapes, little, grapes send me through the roof. Isn't that crazy? Couldn't believe how much like grapes are healthy, aren't they? <laughs> they, so grapes have healthy aspects to them. One of them is not how they affect my blood sugar, blood sugar. Yep. And it's, it's so interesting. <laughs> a continuous Blood glucose monitor for the listener. We've talked about these before, but if you if you take a little bit of your blood just to measure your blood sugar, you're sticking yourself, you get a snapshot of what is going on in your blood at that second, but a continuous glucose monitor is real time. So you can see how things are changing and see what things in your life are affecting your behavior. So last mm. time I was here, we talked about my crappy car <laughs> and that car's gone. I got rid of it. I got a new car. I know. I made you feel so bad about so it on this podcast exactly. that you went out and bought a new car. Thank that you. is how much Casey looks up to me. <laughs> That's great. how much my opinion matters. You made fun of me to the point that <laughs> a few days later, it really was like, I realized I better get a new car. But anyway, my old car, <laughs> I could tell the gas mileage when I needed to refuel. 
because I could just say like, okay, I just put 12 gallons of fuel in the car and I drove 300 miles and I can do the math and say, Mm. this is my, my mileage, but that's not real time on my new car. It shows me exactly right now what my economy is. So that changes my behaviors a lot more easily. I can, you know, decide when I push the clutch in a little bit more, be hard on the gas or how that affects it. And that's the difference between like a continuous glucose monitor that's showing you real time. What Mm. is going on with your blood sugar versus just getting a little stick. Anyway, that was cars have had that technology for like 20 years. I know, I know. That's how bad my car was before. <laughs> Dude, the camera to back the backup camera is like the most amazing feature. And I know it's been on every car for like 20 years now, but that like what kind of barbarian lifestyle were we living in when we didn't have Dude, yeah, I get so before I had my forerunner, I had an old Land Cruiser. I had a 99 Land Cruiser with uh with another car that did have a backup camera, but my Land Cruiser did not. And I remember getting in and like, I don't dare back out of this. What's mother- going on? <laughs> like I'd roll it down the windows. Are there any children behind me? <laughs> That's <hilarious. laughs> it's, it's the best feature. It's so great. It's like, it made me nervous to back up, not knowing exactly what was behind me. It's so funny. <laughs> you could also just look behind you. <laughs> I did, but the, it was so tall there. I couldn't see a toddler walking behind me. That's a good point. Anyway, it's a great feature. Um, <laughs> going back to cereal, Ben Bickman had this great video. He was wearing a continuous glucose monitor. He, you know, middle of the night, decided to have a bowl of cereal. He chose frosted mini wheats. He says that's the best cereal to have. My question for him was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Frosted mini wheats. Best, ver- like, okay, maybe least impactful, <laughs> but why eat it? I, that's what I asked him. And he said, well, you're wrong because it is the best cereal. So he confirmed that it is the best. Cereal. I didn't think so. Everyone's entitled to their wrong opinion. <laughs> but it showed his blood sugar after he eats this bowl of frosty mini wheats. And it was like all over the place for like 18 hours afterwards. It took a long time to chill out. And most people do that. So subconsciously they're not aware of how much the blood sugar swinging up and down all the time. So I want to bring this back to something you said earlier, where combining fats and carbohydrates is a terrible idea. So when I was wearing my, um, continuous monitor, Cause I, there, there, there's a few different ways to look at this. Like there's, there's again, going back, there's two sides to every coin. When you eat carbohydrates with fat, yes, there is something to be said, like spiking the insulin and then the fat molecule of being able to attach to the glucose and, and being more easily stored on your, on your frame. But from a blood glucose perspective, eating, pairing like butter with bread actually diminishes and brings the blood glucose down much, much quicker, or at least it did with me. You notice that? It, like it was, I wish I, I should have had, I should have had my journal up for this, but essentially it was, it had, I had a quick spike, but it came down really, really fast, mm. really, really fast, like 15, 20 minutes fast. Mm. Where if I just ate cereal or like the grapes, the grapes is the one that stands out to me the most is because I thought, it's grapes. Yeah, grapes should be fine. Yeah. And and fructose typically doesn't have the same effect on your blood your blood sugar levels as like dextrose or just like table sugar. Mm. But the the grapes reacted the same way Skittles wow. does. Wow. And but pairing the pairing it with the fat did bring the blood glucose level levels it out down a little bit much much quicker. Wow. Interesting. Which makes sense. I mean, like a lot of Mediterranean diets yeah. are very high in carbohydrates and fat. They yeah. pair lots of bread with oils. Mm. And for the most part, they're some of the healthiest populace on in the world. Sure. So. Um, also, like fiber, like if you are going to eat carbohydrates, if, if some of that is fiber, that's going to slow that release down quite a bit. So it'll slow the release down. But what, if I, what I found was it 
it didn't go as high, but it stayed high longer. Mm. Where if I had just like white rice or white bread, it would high, go up, it'd go really high, but then drop back down mm. really, really quick. Gotcha. So I think if you're looking at it from a snapshot in time, yes, it's more detrimental. But if you looked at it from more of a, um, uh, a macro mm. view, it's probably, it's probably pretty even. Gotcha. So fasting is pretty easy. It's not very difficult. It doesn't cost a lot of money. In fact, it's free. You can do it anytime you like. Your diet can be a little bit more um, open. You can eat more things. Um, you mentioned performance benefits. We talked about evolution. That seems to fit really well. I, I mean, it seems pretty great to me. This is the reason why we're, you know, Bethany and I, we eat one meal a day. It's called OMAD. Mm-hmm. And it's just really simple for us to have our first meal, same as you, late at night. After all our work is done, we get to sit down and have a great meal, something delicious, things that we like. We don't eat a tremendous variety of different things, but all the things we eat, we just love. Like we just really enjoy them and they make us feel extremely full. And then we wake up the next day and we go about our business and work, work out, go on a bike ride, go walk, you know, serve our clients. And then, you know, five or six next day, we'll eat and chill out and watch Netflix. And that's, it's just, it's, it's easy. It's it's pretty crazy. The, especially as Americans, the, how we've, how our information has been like handed down to us. Um, it's like finances. Mm. I, 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 I use this a lot. I correlate finances to yeah. food really often because it, it, they connect a lot of dots, yeah. but finance is a very generational thing. Finances is like your information about finance is usually handed down from your parents and your, your parents' parents. And, like 401ks retirement is not a very old concept. It's very new. Mm. Like we've only really been thinking about retiring since like the like mid fifties, something mm. like that. However old the 401k is, it's not that old. So there's a lot of information coming out right now. And there's a lot of things that different things people can do to, to reach that goal. And fasting is the same way we've been handed down this, our, our habits and health information through our families, which got it from <laughs> the garbage food pyramid yeah, and just all right. the, all the, I would say I can use this word lightly corrupt, mm-hmm. like sugar companies pay yeah, to have studies done. Absolutely. Like there's, there's a, there's a lot of misinformation out there and fasting is now this, it's not trying to sell us anything. That's why it's almost easy to really get onto is there's nothing that no, there's nothing I can sell you. Yeah, that's right. That will help you fast better. That's right. So it, it makes it a little bit easier to like get on board with. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think this discussion has been super interesting. Um, we didn't even talk about things like autophagy. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah. I, autophagy I, is so cool. Autophagy is cool. And I will say, I think I'll, I'll wrap this up in like my, 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 my thoughts with autophagy. Cause I, this is one of the things that I thought was really cool getting into it. But the more I got into it, the more I'm kind of like, am I fasting for autophagy? And the, my, my answer is no. Mm. Um, I think it will give me a little bit more um, longevity down the road. I yeah. think it's better than not. But I've, I've, and we'll know more when they do studies, more studies on long-term fasting and autophagy. But I don't think we fast long enough. When my fasting protocol is not strict enough to trigger autophagy, like I put cream in my coffee. Yep. Like, so I am triggering metabolic um, pathways first thing in the morning. Sure. I use it because it gives me flexibility with food and it gives me a easy way to stay in a caloric deficit. Yep. That's what fasting does for me. So you're at least aware of your reasons 
for why you want to fast. So that helps determine what kinds of fast you do, which, which I want to conclude on too, is like the protocols you, you mentioned earlier. Yeah. If you, if you want to fast for autophagy, then you're talking fairly strict fast, yep. like water fast yep. for 24 plus hours. Yes. I think to really trigger autophagy. And autophagy literally means eat yourself. It's a recycling process inside the body that the body can recycle old junky proteins. One analogy I really love to use is let's say you're, you know, making a building and every day you get a delivery of bricks, new bricks. So if you break a brick, you don't really care because you're going to get a new delivery tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Mm. So, you know, a pile of broken bricks just kind of lays around in the back and it's not a big deal. If the deliveries stop, like you start fasting, you're not getting any more bricks. All of a sudden you got to make them work. Well, you got to go make them work and you say, okay, well this brick is broken, but so is this one. What if we like, hmm, I don't know, we could glue these two together and that's a pretty good brick right there. That's kind of how I look at autophagy as, as like an anti-aging recycling process. If I told you, Cam, you've got cancer today, would your opinion change on how fasting would work for you? 100%. 100%. Yeah, I, would go, I would go on a week-long water fast. Yep, me too. If, me you too. Told me, if you told me I had cancer or I had precancerous cells, yep. week-long water fast. Yep. Um, now, there are, I still want all the benefits of autophagy and- or I want benefits of autophagy. So that's why fat, if you work out in a fasted state, yep. you're going to increase autophagy. Because yep. there's actually science that shows exercise increases autophagy yep. naturally, whether you're sense. fed or not. Yep. So if you can work out fasted with the point, again, if autophagy is your is your end goal, you should be training fasted no matter what. Yep, I agree. If your goal is performance, you got to weigh out your autophagy versus the performance. Yep. Like there's that, that's, what's so cool about fasting is there's no one way to do it. And I'll talk to like bodybuilders. Oh, fasting is garbage. I'm like, maybe for your, what do you mean? Yeah. I'm like for your goals, it might be harder to build as much muscle as you're trying to build fasted. Yes. That might be harder to do. I actually still think you'll probably stay leaner. You'll have a better physique. If you, if you incorporate some fasting into it, are you gaining the most amount of muscle possible? Nope. I think that's, I think it'll be harder to do that. Yep. But then you get into like, there's lots of studies that show people who actually weight train have lower protein requirements because they have higher nitrogen levels in their blood. Yep. So their protein th uh, synthesis or their ability to digest and use amino acids for, um, for recovery is way, way up. Mm. So there's, there's actually a really good case for if you, if you train really hard, you actually need less protein mm than someone who doesn't yeah, because you're better at using it. Using it. That um, makes sense. And then, and you're going to have to cut me off when we're done because now good. I'm just rolling here. But, um, <laughs> then like, and the protein, like eating pro eat, um, your protein window post-workout. This one, this one's hilarious to me. Cause again, I used to be a big believer that if you, if you're weight training within an hour, that's your window. Yeah. yeah. We used to tell everybody that one hour yeah. you've got to eat after your workout is gone. Have to. Nope. Apparently that's bullshit too. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Y'all any of my clients post clients listening. Yeah. I was, I was feeding you a lot of bullshit, yep. but it was the information we had at the time. And, um, yeah, it's showing that that window is as long as you're getting 20, sufficient yeah, on a 24 hour window. If you're getting everything you need inside of a 24 yeah. hour window, you're going to be just fine. Don't like, I guess my, my true advice for people, if you want to try it, don't overthink it. Don't try to piece a bunch of that. Well, if you're doing this, 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 Skip B Joe, mm. skip the rocks. Just try not eating for a little bit. Just see how it feels. You don't even need to 
necessarily change your diet right away. And maybe don't see how it, see how it feels eating your shitty diet with a little bit of an eating window. See how that changes your craving. See if you even crave the things that you used to. Mm. And then incorporate. There's there's just a lot of things and that it's very food is very personal. It's very different. And when you start talking about changing someone's lifestyle, I think there's a lot more to consider than just what are your weight loss goals. Mm. Cause fasting for me has, uh, uncovered, it's uncovered a lot for me. Like I have, I didn't realize that my personality was addictive as it was mm. fasting kind of showed me that, but it showed me a pathway for kind of controlling an addictive personality. Mm. So anyway, there's a, there's a lot to, to peel back from it, but yeah, interesting. We mentioned talking about different protocols, but maybe we should just end right there and just say like that, that is really great advice. Just play with it. Try it. Try it. Start with breakfast. Well, can, do you, do we have time to talk about protocols? Cause of course. I, I, I don't want to try it. Okay. How try it? How? <laughs> yeah. Let's go. So protocols, the, Lots of people will do like 18, like, or 16 hours on 18 or 16 hours off eight hours on type thing. I think that's a good blank. Anybody can do that. Yeah, anybody can do that. Yeah. I'd say try that first. I like, I like a bigger fast. I think eight hours is still a long time for me to mess around with it too much. Sure. And I, I, again, I find once I, once I've started eating, I, I kind of want to be done with my day. Or I want to be in like kind of relaxation mode of my yep. day. Like I like my meal to kind of be that trigger, yep. that unwind piece. Me too. Um, but that it takes time to get to there. It, get, it takes time to get there. So start with the eight sixteen. Um, some people will do like oh, I don't want to do eight sixteen, but I still want to see benefits from fasting. All right, maybe don't do it daily intermittent fasting. Try fasting twenty four hours one day a week, mm. kind of a thing. So there's lots of ways. As long as you're, again, if you look at the ma- like micro, are you eating enough calories day in and day out from a macro level. So if you look at your week, were you in a caloric deficit that week? Mm. And if you were, it almost doesn't matter which protocol you used to get there. Gotcha. Again, now are you talking weight loss versus autophagy? Yeah. Consider your goals. Yeah. If your goal is autophagy, I think you're probably better off doing a 24 hour fast and then not doing IF the rest of the day, the rest of the week. If your goal is weight loss, you're probably better off finding a more consistent fasting protocol that you do day in and day out. Mm. Um, if you like breakfast and you're not much of an evening eater, kick dinner out. Yeah. If you're one of those weirdos out there that doesn't like to eat dinner with your friends and family. <laughs> no, but some people don't like to eat well or sure. they don't sleep well. If they eat, I sleep much better with a full, like a, not a full stomach, like not going to bed and, or eating and then going right to bed. Right. But feeling Give it satiated. Some time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Feeling satiated. Yeah, me too. Like, I like to, so my product, my personal protocol is I eat my dinner and then and so I work out in the morning to my workouts are typically in the morning. I do, if, I might do yoga in the evening, um, or go for a ride in the evening and do, do some kind of cardio in the evening. But so I'll do my hard gym session in the morning, stay fasted all day, do a little bit of cardio or my yoga in the evening. Then I'll eat dinner, take my dogs for a walk and sounds awesome. then I chill. That's, that sounds awesome. That's my protocol. That's great. That's so easy. I just, I hope for the listener, like if you've, if you've thought about it, you've considered it, it's, it's really not more complicated than that. Everybody fasts. It's just for how long, like fasting is what you do when you sleep. You're not eating. So you're fasting break fast means you are breaking your fast. So you're already doing it. Try to expand it. 
there's so many benefits and things to gain and you can eat whenever you like. And if you're not that hungry, you you don't. And then you notice those other benefits. I just think, again, for me, it's, it's gold standard. It's something that Absolutely. will work pretty much for everybody. Like we talked about, I think it's evolutionary. It fits. It makes sense. It's not that difficult. <laughs> it's pretty enjoyable. Yeah, it's 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 one of the turning points in my life when I discovered fasting yeah, I and, and got into it. it. It changed the whole trajectory of, of my fitness goals, my lifestyle, everything. It's, Agreed. It's been yeah. awesome. Agreed. That's awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation. We've already had a ton of information for the listener, but if you could sum up just one simple thing that you would recommend for the listener, I think you've already said it, but will you reiterate one thing that you would like the listener to take away from this conversation? Yep. You are not going to die if you're hungry. <laughs> you're feeling hungry means change is happening. Don't don't be afraid of feeling hungry when you first start. Just try pushing out your meals a little bit. If you're interested in fasting, just push it out. You don't need to go super hard, super quick. Just push it out and make healthy choices when you are in your eating window. Just because you're fasting doesn't mean you can eat whatever you want. Yeah. You, if you consume more in your eating window than you're burning throughout the day, you will still gain weight. Yeah, gotcha. This has been great. Awesome discussion. Yeah, dude. Been fun. This is great. Yeah, um, hope, hopefully it wasn't too sporadic and people can get something. Out of this. <laughs> I think they will. I, I just, it's again, it's just so simple. It's something you can just try, try it. See if you like it. You might find that you like it more than you think you will. It sounded way miserable to me when I first heard about it. And now I do it for 23 hours every single day. And it's just, it's great. It's awesome. So you consume all of your calories in one hour. Yeah. 30 minutes an hour. Uh, you, you, takes me a few hours. <laughs> I think you're, you, well, you have more muscle mass than I do. Um, your biceps about as big as my neck. Um, and yeah, I mean, burgers at, at the rough house pretty much every other day. We've talked about burger day on the, on the podcast before. Like I've never been invited to burger day. Burger day is epic. Have you ever had a double grilled onion, peanut butter burger? chunky peanut butter on a toasted brioche bun two patties smashed onto grilled onions cooked in bacon grease on a cast iron when's when's dinner <laughs> it's so good when's dude. dinner bro it's so good cam morganson thanks for coming on the show we really appreciate it let's make this a monthly thing absolutely thanks awesome. Casey. thanks everybody and this has been another episode of boundless body radio